Welcome to the Make Music Income Podcast with Stephen Bedall of the Production Music Academy and me, Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. In this podcast, we'll talk about our experiences in music licensing as music artists with online channels, our publishing and royalty incomes, and our combined over 40 years experience as music producers for hire. So let's get started with today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 17 of the Make Music Income podcast. Uh, my name is Stevie B. I'm joined here by my friend Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. And this episode is brought to you by ProductionMusicAcademy.com as well as MakeMusicIncome.com. And today we're talking about all things related to uh, music production, like basically how to find clients, uh, producing artists versus uh, producing commercial clients. Uh, we both have a lot to talk about. This last week is has been interesting for me just because I've been doing both. Uh, Eric has a ton of experience uh, producing uh, artists in, uh, throughout his career, uh, as well as uh, producing commercial work as well. Um, and yeah, before we dive into it, we are going to just briefly chat about our weeks. Eric, what's been going on with you? I know you've had a busy morning already. Uh, you just finished up a live stream, <laughs> which I caught the end of. Yeah, I'll start with nothing. Uh, because the, the, uh, that was the name of the live stream today, starting how to start with nothing. Right. And, um, the idea behind this episode came about as I was, I've just been getting different emails lately. I'm in a I'm in a country and I don't have any way to make music or I don't have the right stuff or how do I start if I don't have a good enough, you know, after the videos that we've done about, you know, how how to uh, free stuff and all that kind of stuff. We've done repeated videos about how to just work with your doll like you just did and yeah. Uh, I've got a video coming out tomorrow on my composer's channel about about a song I made only in logic and what I could do with that. And so I, I went full tilt into it. I, um, I talked about my entire story. I mean, I talked about, um, you know, how to have stuff and, and I talked about my whole story, not as a producer, but as just a musician trying to figure out how to make recordings since mm -hmm. I was a teenager. And man, if people think they have it hard now, they should have tried it like you know, 40 years ago when there was no internet, there was no computers that did music. There were no keyboards yeah. or, I mean, it, pretty much for you, it was the same. All the instruments behind you were there. <laughs> yeah, pretty you know, much. And probably the very much the same instruments that you, that you play <laughs> uh, with your hands, the guitars and the basses were all there. And so yeah. you could have sat there and made that music with guitar and bass. You just wouldn't have had a click track yeah. unless you had a metronome and, um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's come a long way, and so I wanted to start with that to let people know, hey, you're not starting with nothing these days. You're starting with a lot of something. So and, true. <laughs> and so, uh, but then I, I, I said, okay, what would happen, how would I start, and I went through this, I'm not sure if you were there for this part, but I, I, I said, how would I start if it was today and you dropped me in a foreign country or even in, in another state with only shelter, food, and and uh, and you know and that's it and some clothes you mm -hmm. know and nothing else and I talked about well I'd probably go get a job and I first I said I'd probably take a vacation for a few days but then second I said I would um, uh, really get to work and and make some money and you know probably go to a, a public library that has a computer and start up some 
uh, a, a Gmail and start up a, uh, a, a an Instagram and then go find a cheap, cheap old phone plan that has a smartphone mm-hmm. that comes with it and for 20 bucks a month or whatever, once I have a job and I'm able to start paying that 20 bucks. And then that phone, if it's an iPhone, then I've got GarageBand, the yeah. end. I've, I've got to start. I could take a phone and GarageBand right now and make stock music. That's I think right. any of us could that are, are skilled enough with a DAW because there is there's beats and there is sounds to use. And if you're careful, it's not much different than the logic thing that we just did. You could do that with, with GarageBand. And so I talked a lot about that. I talked about getting a computer, a first computer. I talked about getting... Uh, you know, free software and stuff like that. And eventually I would be where I am now, you know, uh, mm-hmm. making the kind of music I am now. And so I kind of try to put it in today's terms as well. So I just did that video and that is on my channel. You can go find that. Um, it, it'll take a few days for it to become, by the time this thing is live, this podcast is live and you're hearing this or watching this, it'll be on the channel. Um, yeah. So I also had a... Uh, uh, on the pitch front, I had a taxi brief forward. Nice. Um, I talked about the percussion thing that I made last week. I made it all by myself. And I, I had been making them with a the drummer in Nashville. But this time, I decided to do kind of marching band meets loops meets real drums and some bass. And um, I might have played a little too much bass. But it got through. And so we'll see. Is this um, is this on your uh, public, on your profile? It's public on, on my profile now. Awesome. Yeah. It's called it City City Funk March is what nice. it's called. Cool. And uh, then <clears throat> I had another brief submission yesterday or the day before last that I haven't heard from yet. This one was pretty quick. I mean, I just pitched it last week and the and I already got the forward. Sometimes they can be three weeks or more. Yeah, I have one that back. took almost a month. Yeah, maybe yeah. even more. Yeah. So this other one is should be pretty quick because it was for a a, a submission for God Save the Queen. Uh, they just wanted different versions of that. <clears throat> and I had a version I had done last year. This was not created for this brief, but it was a solo piano kind of laid back version. So we'll Sweet. see if that's what they're looking for or not. But um, so a couple of those. Um, let's see what else is going on as far as libraries. Um, got a, a first check from uh, Pond5's subscription library. Yesterday, I, I I was just driving along over to a, a a music lesson that I was teaching, and Boeing Pond Five sent me eight dollars and four cents <laughs> to my uh, one of my PayPal's, and so nice. I I immediately pulled over and I posted it to Discord. I said, "So it's a thing," and apparently it's been a thing. Um, yeah, it's Frozen been a thing for Jazz, a long, way longer than I thought. Yeah, Frozen Jazz has like eight or nine months of, yeah. of records yeah, going back. I was back. surprised to read that too. I, I did not realize that they've been doing this for that long. I think one of the months he made a hundred bucks from it. Yeah, right. Or something like that. And uh, so anyway, um, apparently this is a, a, a thing and it looks like it's a per download thing. Mm-hmm. So gosh, if mm-hmm. you're getting eight bucks a download, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, I doubt that's... For, uh, somebody else, Mark Mess, he, he got $16 and he asked them and they wrote back and said, yeah, you had two downloads. That's not So that's bad. eight bucks a download and a, and a subscription service? That's kind of crazy. Speaking of Pond5, my experiment there continues with Pond5 and Audio Jungle and 123RF mm-hmm. on putting my 
music at the very, not the very bottom. They're not a dollar. They're all at $5, but, um, or three credits on one, two, three. But we'll see. Um, it's very interesting so far. And I think it's going to prove, it, it, there's going to be a live video in two weeks on the 28th. I think that'll be two weeks. Um, anyway, probably two weeks. You know, that can be two weeks. But anyway, uh, 27th, something like that. But it'll be um, in, in a couple Thursdays when I'm at the end of the month. No, it's on the 31st, my bad. Um, and I'll have a live video about this and about my experience with it. And is is it worth just doing all of these as penny um, penny stocks versus uh, a full dollar spot. So is it smarter to do the $50 a thing or is it smarter to do the $5 thing? And what what is my uh, experience with these over the past three months and then this month? It's yeah, might be a it's little a very shocking. difficult question to answer right now. It's very difficult. Yeah, but when you figure content ID and the more downloads, the better. That's what I mean. So that's what I mean. If you what if you make the same or more than you've made from the past month or two or right. three, and you have more downloads being downloaded and possibly going to YouTube. So yeah, exactly. That experiment continues, um, and then uh, the rest of my time has been doing client work and uh, making some. Uh, a lot of new Easter material. I made two new Easter songs this month that are going, uh, one I've already got posted to, mo uh, to Motion Array or put up there. Oh, by the way, my contest song uh, from uh, from the the Logic only song has been, was accepted at Motion Array. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was brought in. Okay. Um, and so that's in. Um, so at least they validated me, Steve. <laughs> um <laughs> And and the whole video about that will be over in tomorrow. And you're only mentioned a couple times, and it's mostly all good. Um, <laughs> the Hello Composers that. video will be out tomorrow. I'm looking forward um, to it. <laughs> so yeah, I got I, I I did a few more, and I've got like two or three more to do because I got to get them all up because Motion Array Q is at eleven or days or so right now. It's it's pretty it's pretty long. As a matter of fact, I put in a song yesterday, and it's. 1500 in the queue 1500 something really okay wow i've never seen the queue that big before that's crazy that right anyway um i've got a few, a few more to do i want to get in so that when e when easter really starts cranking around april 1st because i think there's a few more weeks till april i think it's april 14th or something like that uh april 12th or something like that so i want to make sure for those two weeks preceding easter i have all the easter songs in there i can get and uh, and and that's that's a, a lot of what I've been doing. Besides talking a lot, uh, I've been teaching and then uh, talking to some people about some other teaching positions. So yeah, excited about that. There's a lot going yeah. on for you. Lots a lot of Easter eggs. Ah, I get it. Um, I'm the only <laughs> the only reason I <laughs> the only reason I look forward to to Easter every year is because uh, of those Cadbury eggs. Love those things, dude. The caramel ones. Oh, dude. but have you noticed? They're smaller. Oh, they this get year? smaller every year. They, sm they, they think they we're shave, not noticing. They shave off a couple of grams every year from. Oh the, yeah, from it's, the damn they're things. wet. They're noticeably smaller this year. Like, whoa, what? It, it what sucks. The... It's it's just so annoying. <laughs> That's the world we live in. Um, so, what else you've been up to this year? Uh, this this week? This year? <laughs> this year and lot. this week? Um, this week has been has been good, man. I uh, so for this uh, this month's monthly challenge on the uh production music academy it's speaking of briefs 
there's a selection of briefs to choose from. Um, and I think there's five altogether. And I decided to choose the 80s synthwave um, brief. Mm-hmm. And dude, I'm having so much fun writing uh, in this style. And I'm absolutely loving it. I realize now that I have to uh, create an entirely uh, separate alter ego where I just write uh, 80s synthwave music. Maybe I'll start like an artist profile on Spotify for it. And um, yeah. I'm really going to dig into it. And, and, and I'll open up uh, those sessions uh, for uh, for the Academy members too. But man, it's just, I don't know. It's a style that resonates with me. It just brings me back to uh, gaming in uh, in like the in the 90s uh, mm-hmm. the um, you know the old Amiga computer the Commodore 64 oh, yeah. um, it's just it's just pure nostalgia for me and I, and I love it so I'm having a ton of fun with that um, I probably spent a little bit too much time on it this last week but I have to make up for my submission last month uh, so this one's going to be a, a whole lot better <laughs> um, Good. so yeah I'll be featuring uh, everyone's work on a live stream April 6 so um, yeah, I got to get to work on my, my lo-fi work, masterpiece. Nice. Um, in other news, uh, I got Lester on uh, the Academy for a track breakdown. He featured cool. um, one his second best-selling track of all time. Uh, it sold 4,000 licenses on Audio Jungle. Um, Audio Jungle. Wow. Yeah, and it still sells to this day regularly on uh, Audio Jungle. And uh, he was nice enough to s- send me the stems. And uh, yeah, we we, uh, we linked up on a Zoom call and I just picked his brain for, for uh, you know, a little bit over an hour about everything um, from his his process, his songwriting process to uh, to the VSTs and the, and the plugins that he's using in his sessions. Um, and I am releasing that today uh, for the Academy. So I'm really, really stoked about that. Uh, it is a long one, but I think there's just so much gems uh, in there, uh, so many gems in there. And, and Lester's just so generous with uh, um, with his time and, and just allowing me to do that. So uh, thanks, Lester, if you're, if you're listening. And um, I think the, the members are really going to enjoy that. Um, oh, everybody really loved his interview. So yeah, man. Thought, yeah, it was a lot from that. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, great dude. Um, so yeah, in, in light of you know the topic today, the production, I'm finally uh, back to doing a bit of commercial work uh, for my friends at uh, Patagonia. Um, I had to write several pieces of music for them this last week, um, which took up a, f- a fair chunk of my time, uh, actually. So it was a really busy week. Um, they are producing a film about Kernza. Uh, which is like a type of wheatgrass that's uh, produced by the Land Institute uh, in in the States. Um, so uh, yeah, a short video about that. I produced a couple piece of pieces pieces of music, kind of like quirky acoustic stuff. Um, the total opposite of of uh, of stock style or like sync music yeah. style. So it was really cool to kind of like get into a different zone there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I'll and I'll probably talk about that a little bit more in the academy because it's it's. It's a different approach um, in terms of like how I mix it. Um, so uh, it, it's good to kind of like get out of the stock zone, and it was a great excuse to kind of like you know go in that direction full throttle. So um, that was fun. And then lastly, uh, I'm trying to finish up my lo-fi uh, album. Um, I got eight tracks, uh, maybe nine, uh, that I'm going to pitch to Artlist, or I'm going to send send it to Artlist. And one of these tracks has vocals on it. Um, one of the members asked me uh, about my thoughts and, and process on producing vocals um, uh, in music. And you know, as as you know, and, and mo- most everyone listening knows, I, I almost 
entirely produce instrumental music. Very little of it is vocals, except for, you know, the stuff that I do with my band. Um, and I decided to, yeah, hire a, a singer uh, for one track in particular, which is going to be kind of like the title track of the, of the album. Um, and I, yeah, I produced her, uh, you know, I, I recorded her vocals and I filmed the whole thing and, um, and I'm going to open that all up to the, the, the Academy as well. And, uh, it was, it's awesome. I'm still working on it. It's, it hasn't been finished yet. Um, but, uh, it's sounding pretty cool, man. And, uh, and I'm excited to put this album together. So it's going to be, yeah, nine tracks total. One of them is going to have vocals on it. And, um, and that's been my week so far. I think that's that's about it. I have a show well, with the band this, uh, well, this Friday. You've been in the studio a lot with the band, too. Uh, that's right. I was just going to say, yeah, like just finished up two tracks in the studio, uh, mixing two tracks for uh, for our next record, which really is, doesn't have like a, a, a timeline. Like we're just going to put it out whenever it's ready. But um, yeah, I was in, a, I was in a, a proper studio last Wednesday or last Thursday, I can't remember, but... Uh, you know, uh, if I might interject there, you might document that a little bit and make a little video about being in the studio, a real studio with real bandmates. We do a lot of videos talking about making music by ourselves. And that's, um, as I've talked about with my sync licensing stuff, I, most of my sync licensing stuff is not myself. It's me and players and right. singers and all that stuff. And I think there's a lot of people saying, "What you use other people? How do you pay them? What do you do?" I with saw them? that and, in the in the live stream. Yeah, and I I always like I think that's really interesting. You should talk about that more. And I, and I will uh, talk about that uh, that next time we go to record. The last session we it was a mixing session, so I'm not sure it would have been um, that interesting to. to, to or film if you that. ever get a chance to mix anything for your band. Yeah. You know, you could show that session off because, again, it's so much. Both of our channels, Daniel's channel, Jesse's channel, all the it's everybody doing every single instrument themselves versus working with other people. And I think if mm -hmm. we're not careful, we'll all just be these cave dwellers making, you know, cave dwellers music. And <laughs> um, I think we need to remember that. Um, and, and, and this is a session maybe I could share sometime and say, okay, here's a song I just produced for sync and I used Nashville players and here's what, here's what they look like. And here's the difference between drums from a session and drums from easy drummer or oh, whatever man. thing I'm world, using, you know, the difference there. Yeah. We have totally. all of those mics separated. We yeah. have the guitar parts, three electric parts, two acoustic parts yeah. and, and, and showing how all that melds together. And, and I think that it might start to get some cave dwellers out of their caves or invite other players in to add parts. And and I think when you start adding that that other element of other people involved in your stuff, and I've said it before on here on my podcast and on my, on my videos, it just adds a bit of dimensionality that you can't do on your own. It's so exciting too. It's so exciting to work with other people, um, you know, especially when you, when you get it right. Like having my friend Missy come in and uh, you know, get her to do vocals on a track was so much fun. It just took me out of that cave dweller zone like instantly. Yep. And it just added some new fresh uh, life into into the track. And um, man, I yeah, I it's all about hiring players. When I get know? when I get a part back from a player, it's like Christmas morning. Yeah, man, you know, because so I get fun. to throw that into the track and see what they did and how it melds with everything you know exactly. and yeah. and if i do that with all players let's say it's a a lot of client things i will start a piano start 
with maybe piano and loop, and then I'll send it to a drummer, and I'll get that back, and I'll see how that sits in there. And then I'll mm-hmm. send it to a bass player, and I'll see how that sits in there. I'll send it to a guitar player and get that back and see it. And it's like it just builds and grows and gets thicker and, and more dimensional every time with everybody's part in. Yeah. And I think that's something that we don't talk enough about on here because we're so focused on how to cheaply make music, uh, especially for stock, because you don't want to spend a lot of money. You don't want to spend any money on stock if possible. Um, but uh, when we're getting into the worlds of sync or production of clients or whatever, we're, we're going to get into that. And so let's yeah. jump right into production um, yeah, because totally. that, that leads us right in there. Um, do you want to start with your history as a, as a music producer and uh, your short history? We'll do short histories of us as like players, but when did production really begin you know yeah that's a, it's hard to pinpoint exactly like a like a specific point and i'll try to keep this kind of just short but uh yeah my background is uh, as like a as a kind of a hired gun as a guitar player um not only not only as a hired gun but someone who's led uh, my own band um did you start doing your own stuff at first did you just start playing and messing around at home and that's right yeah like i it was it all started like my my um my interest in working in a DAW all started because i started making demos uh for for my band um that was the whole reason i got pro tools in the first place yeah um and i just wanted to be able to kind of like make sketches of songs to send to people and and that yeah. was it. That's how that's how, that's how it all started. Um, so I got invited to do some session work uh, with a few other acts as a guitar player, and I sort of got like a really interesting glimpse into how that like production producing artists kind of works and how it looks and feels. And um, I, I thought it was just so interesting. And as I as my skills grew with the DAW, um, I realized that you know there was just so much potential to do that kind of work and you know over years and years it it, it just kind of got to the point where i was making some pretty interesting stuff um just on the computer and um and that's how it kind of grew for me man like you know i mean it just kind of started from from like the 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 live the band perspective of things and i think really early on um, before I was doing it, you know, professionally, someone asked me, uh, like this, this band asked me to produce their, their record. And they were like this indie folk band here in Vancouver. And, um, I did it and uh, I wasn't really prepared for that going in. I mean, you never really are on your first time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I produced and I mixed the, the, the whole record and, uh, it was a hell of a lot of work, you know, and yeah. it was, it was very difficult uh, to do. It was really difficult and very stressful. Um, and, uh, that was the they have that was basically you know, trial by by fire right there and that that was the first time I ever really kind of professionally produced something and got paid for it, um, and uh, yeah and then years later it sort of developed into like film scoring right because I got in touch with uh, um, w- with a, a videographer who was just coming up and uh, and she was really you know stoked on on the music I was writing and she asked me you know to to do some scoring and that was something at the time that I had, I had no experience doing either. And so that was also like, you know, trial by fire and um, yeah. And, and that kind of paved the way for, for more opportunities in that vein. Cool. Mine kind of started just making my own stuff. You know, I would record at home and show people. And as I tell, as my story goes, I just say, you know, I would show people and buy 
high school, I was showing people my cassettes of stuff. This is back before computer stuff. Yeah. And I was just handing out cassettes, showing people what I was doing. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. It sounds great. Can you record something for me? Yeah. And, uh, and, and it quickly turned to them, as, as it often does with artists and or anyone that you do anything for, or any, anyone that sees you doing something. Their first thought is polite niceties, and then will you? How can you help me with what you can do? Mm -hmm. And so it, this was no different. They were like, "Can I come over to your dad's house and record with the mics and record me singing with you playing the piano and blah blah <laughs> yeah. blah?" And so that's his, that's the simple answer. I, I did one big hit. It was my, my what I call my first hit, and I recorded this song that I wrote. It started with piano on. A re I had a reel to reel. And you could bounce from one channel to the other. Yeah, and I always wanted you one could, of those. When I was you like, would oh, record into one channel, and then you, when you were recording to the other channel, you could play along with that and yeah. record into that and bounce, bounce, bounce. Yeah. So I played the piano. Then I brought a drummer in, and he played drums. And then I, I can't really remember if I brought a bass player in. I brought in a uh, – then I scored out all of the instruments. And I, this is right, way before I knew what score, how to score stuff. Because I brought in French horns, and French horns are hard to score in reality for. I mean, mm. on, they're easy to score on Logic, but to write it out, they're in a, such a different, you know, all the different keys, all the different instruments play in flutes and French horns, and everybody's playing in different, uh, well, not fr flutes, but cl uh, clarinets and flutes, and everybody's playing in different instruments and trombones, are, you know, are, and all that kind of stuff you have to uh, write for them. And so, um, I had them all come in two by two, almost like Noah's Ark, two players, you know, two string players, two French horn <laughs> players, two trombone players, two trumpet players. And I ended up bouncing this whole thing together and then recorded a vocal on top. It's a mess. If you listen to it now, it's you still got mess. it. You got to send that to me. I do have it somewhere. <laughs> I, I have to pull it off cassette. But um, yeah, and I put I took that on a band trip we were on a i was in marching band and we went on a band trip and it, they everybody just passed it around the bus and it became my first big hit you know everybody's like this is awesome you did this you wrote this blah 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 that's awesome but what that did was start bringing people to me and say hey i need to record a song for my girlfriend can you help me record a song for her mm -hmm. and that just is the short story of 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 working for other people and, and no matter what band i was in i ended up recording us no matter w what you know whatever and then uh even up into Chicago when I would work there, I helped uh, a guy when we mixed our band up there. And then when I moved back to Kentucky um, and met my wife, I pretty much opened up, a, a hung a shingle and said, I can produce you or arrange for you or, or write, compose for you. And uh, I just hand out business cards at my job and every place else. And so I just started for the, the 90s basically was that, 10 years exactly of, of just handing out business cards and, and starting to record people in my basement on whatever system I had. Eventually I had like a little uh, Tascam 644 uh, that did about eight, four or eight channels of, of recording and then, and then it would sync to my keyboards and then I could spit it all out to DAT or whatever I was using for my, my main mastering down to. Um, and uh, then eventually I started working in local studios uh, with some clients and I had basically my first album that I did for a, a couple that was in town that was, uh, and we used local professional musicians and things like that. I played all the keys, but 
uh, the guy who was the singer played bass, and then we brought in drums and stuff like that. And that was the start of something that's been going on for about 25 years now called Creative Soul Records. It's literally in its 25th year. We started in, the, that record was recorded in 1997. And at that point, I started putting it on my website. I had a website up in like 95 or six. And people started coming from all over the country to come work with me. I was focusing on a niche. Now I had, I was focusing on the kind of gospel Christian niche. And uh, so people went online looking for that. And they went to Alta Vista or uh, whatever that. the yeah. whatever the uh, browsers were. It wasn't Google yet. Yeah, and they would still they would search for websites or, or people who were doing that. And they were and I, so I had people come from Texas, Florida, whatever, to Kentucky to work with me uh, for those first ten years or so. And then eventually, uh, I was going back and forth to Nashville so much trying to pitch demos and things that uh, I I decided to finally make the move there. And I met an engineer who said, yeah, dude, you need to come record here with the players and the studios and everything. And so I went to, I went there and um, the rest is pretty much history. I just started recording with the, the top session players that uh, were in that genre, especially. But also, I also kind of split off into jazz a lot because a lot of the players were real, really, really, really top jazz players. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got into the jazz, contemporary jazz world as well as the contemporary Christian world there obviously completely different i have a joke about it it's called the j word because uh jazzers are scared of jesus and christians are scared of jazz so it's kind of funny (laughs) but um neither one of them wants to talk about the other thing but um it it, both those are very similar small markets and i became a a pretty not in demand but a a pretty busy producer in both of those christian music is no small market though no, it's not. And, and jazz and Christian music, are, are, gospel music, are about the same size as far as the industry is concerned, about 4 or 5%. And so, if, which for a niche, it's pretty big, um, 4 or 5%. Like, yeah, it's a, it's niche, but like, you know, Christian music is like, it's like huge in the South, is, yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. South and, uh, yeah, all along the East and South, I would say probably. But because a lot of my clients have come from Pennsylvania, New York, um, and that uh, eastern side of the U.S., but I've also had clients from California, from every state, and from uh, many countries. I, I'm currently working with an artist from Africa, and um, I've worked with Sweden, uh, Manchester, England, uh, all over the place, everywhere, every which India, every which place. Um, and so that's that's the history of how my production grew, and, and it's basically what I've been doing for twenty five years now. And let's let's talk about like producing for for artists first, because we can I, we can both talk about um, producing for commercial clients. I, I think I'm like you know, um, my throughout my short career that that's been more um, you know uh, the the stuff that I've been doing. Um, but you've been working with artists for for a long time, and um, I'm curious to know you know what your what your thoughts are about that. I mean, it's like like what what are some of the things that people should know about producing artists like what are some of the struggles that 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 you encountered earlier uh, early in your career that maybe you learned from like that kind of stuff well i was lucky um it it has i'll tell you this it has slowed down um artist work of course covid has put a, the clamps on a lot of artist recording for sure because artists don't have anything to do with it and also the demise of the cd has has also 
had a lot to do with artists stopping recording, especially yeah. expensive recording in Nashville with players and all that jazz because they don't have a way to sell product anymore because no one wants to buy CDs. And so it's become a very slim uh, return on, on stuff. But it's a slim as return far as on work- vinyl, you know, because I mean, it's like, yeah, vinyl is, is something that is sort of uh, like we we make we press vinyl for our band, but it's uh, the margins on it are so small, right? Because it's so expensive. Yeah. To use it. You can you can charge more for vinyl. You we could do, easily yeah. make do, them but very scarce. What do you charge? Twenty five bucks or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, twenty five. I, th- I think twenty five or thirty. And it, you know, and the th- the thing is, the upfront cost for for producing the vinyl are crazy, right? Because even just like a hundred, two hundred records is like thousands of dollars. Yeah, and it takes a while now. Um, yeah, and it takes a while. It's, that's some true. of the vinyl plants have burnt down and stuff. Um, getting back to your question, though, working with artists, um, what I noticed from the beginning in the 90s was that you know it was going to take uh, a lot of cl- a lot of management of personality a lot of hand holding mm-hmm. uh, putting out fires both emotional and uh and technical right um it was going to take a lot of psychological work i mean i've told a lot of people being a music producer is uh, is only about fifty percent musical, yeah, maybe even less. This is because this is exactly what I wanted to, to address here because it's like you're you're a people person, you know, you're very uh, you're very principal and, and, and friendly, um, but th- that is so true, man. It's like you know when you're producing artists and we're dealing with people, like being half the work is like kind of being uh, either like a babysitter or like a like a therapist, you know. God, they're um, always coming in. They're either and everybody is sick when they record. Everybody, I don't, I don't care who you are. You come in, there's some nasal thing. Oh, I'm having allergies today. Um, <laughs> they're always having allergies. There's always, right. and they're always not. I just got over a cold. This is insecurity. Or I think a cold is coming Manifesting on. Manifesting itself. <laughs> Whatever. Whenever anybody, they can sing all day when the speakers are on and they're listening to the track and they're singing. The minute you've put them in front of a mic, they're having problems no, of some no kind, kidding, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I don't know, <clears throat> maybe I need some uh, Lay's potato chips or <clears throat> some, uh, <laughs> I usually drink bourbon when I, when I sing, you know, you know, there's always a, a thing yeah. and that's just singers and inse- you're right. Insecurities. And, um, and I think it, especially the clients I've worked for and likely you've worked for, which are probably not full-time pro session singers. I don't have this problem with full-time pro session singers. In Nashville, when I have a pro session singer come in, they come in and they knock it out and they go home. But I'm talking about people who are um, stay-at-home moms or dads or they have a job that they work full-time and they've sometimes never sung in front of a microphone before. Mm -hmm. I've had people that have never sung in front of anyone before. I've had kids, teenagers, every age group, all the way up to 70s or 80. I don't know if I worked with anybody in their 80s, but every age group from 10 and under to every single decade after that. And all of them, probably kids are uh, are a little less, you know, mental about it. They're probably just like, bah, 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 you know, and they do their thing. But anytime you get with someone who's who's old enough to have emotional problems, uh, they, are, they are very... Uh, sometimes very um they're not hard to work with they're just they just have to be worked with emotionally uh psychologically you have to play certain kind of games with them while they're singing into a microphone right uh there are sometimes you have to 
give certain people more rests. Some people need to come in and listen and see what they're doing wrong. Some people can go on. But e even before vocal, Steve, there's a lot to talk about because we're talking only about vocalists and, and when they sing, and we could talk about that all day long. But there is everything from that goes back to way before you go in, even into the studio. There, one thing we haven't talked about, and if you want to talk about this separately, let me know, but getting clients. Do you want to talk about that we separately? Talk, we should talk about that, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean. Before, before you do, though, I just wanted, like, you know, just maybe conclude that last little bit by saying that part of your job as a producer, I think, is to break down the inhibitions that people have and we all have when we're put on the spot to perform. I mean, because that, that, that's so much of the job, right? It's just kind of making people feel comfortable um, and making and getting the most out of people. That's, that's really what a producer does is it, is it, it's, you're getting the most out of people's creative, uh, you know, juices. And, and that if you're not dealing with like a consummate professional, like uh, people are going to feel inhibited when they're put on the spot and put in front of a microphone, whether you're a singer or like a, you know, whatever, an instrumentalist. So I don't mean this in a braggy way, but I literally wrote a book about this. Um, I wrote it when I was in Kentucky before I moved to Nashville and it was called how to back then it was called how to produce an independent album or something like that. Mm -hmm. And when I got to Nashville, I rewrote it after I worked in Nashville for a while and new players and all that kind of stuff to include working in a major music center when you go into a, a, a Nashville or LA or New York or, or Austin or someplace that's, you know, a music center where there are people who know what they're doing from in a big way, not just in a local way, like where I was before. And, and, and it, the last, the last, uh, I think it was called how to, how to be an independent producer, or I can't remember the name of the final name. It's I think it's still on Smashwords, by the way. But I, I have taken it down from almost every place because I need to rewrite it. It's one of those things that has to be rewritten all the time because technology changes and yeah. the music business changes. And I just haven't got around to uh, version three of it. But in it, I talk about what it feels like as an artist to to get those CD, those CDs back in the day or now, get your music up on Spotify or whatever. What it talks about uh, to be a person that helps a person do all that stuff yeah. and go from meeting them, from helping them determine which songs are best to record. Um, and then, again, we're still focusing on artists right now. Um, what is their artist brand gonna be about? What is their kind of focus? Because uh, as a as kind of a record label services company, Creative Soul Records has always been focused from going from meeting them to talking about what is they want to do with the music once they finish it. Are you making a CD? Are you making a a song a single just for Spotify? Are you are you and now are you doing licensing and stuff like that? But mm -hmm. what are your focuses as an artist? And then which songs to record? Song discovery is what I call it. And that's basically just going through all the songs that if they're a songwriter, and most people are these days, going through all their songs and finding out which ones are the strongest and figuring that out. And then um, and then getting into those songs and saying, okay, how are we going to record them? And what's your budget? And what can we? how can we afford to record them? Are we going to walk into a studio in two days and record everything? Are we going to... Uh, program these out first and then add whatever players we need done. And then what are we going to do once we're, and then your vocals, you got to come in and sing. 
And then we're going to go through the mixing stage and we got to fight that battle and get it where you want it, where I want it. And then we got to think about marketing. And, um, you're, you're managing the process uh, you're, and you're, uh, you're managing personalities. It's a big job. It's a lot of work. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, a, it's rewarding. And like, you know, just, uh, it's, yeah, it's amazing uh, to, to work with people, especially when it clicks. You know, uh, it can be a nightmare when it doesn't, though. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a tough job. But let's uh, let's talk about getting clients. Like, what let's uh, what are your thoughts about that? Like, in terms of you when you started doing it, like, and and I, I think like what you mentioned uh, earlier with your with how it all started for you. It's like people came to you because you were kind of like sharing your work with with other people. Is that is that fair to say? I call it. I'll have what they're having. Um, you know, there's that famous line from the, from when Harry met Sally. I don't know if you ever saw that clip where she's in a restaurant and she's acting crazy. I won't go into what she's doing, but if anyone's seen this scene in Harry met Sally, you'll know what she's doing. She's like, yes, yes. yes. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I, I, I know. What you mean. And the old lady sitting next to her table goes, I'll have what she's having. So, <laughs> and that's basically what people say. I will hand them, I'll meet a, an, an artist. Or an artist will see, meet me at a convention, or because I go, I would when I was really after production, I would go to conventions or like South by Southwest type of things, and mm -hmm. I would have a table and I would set up all the CDs I'd produced, and then I would just give out free ones to everybody, and they would hear the quality that I was producing, and they would either say that's for me or that's not for me. I mean, the quality wasn't going to be the deal, especially once I got to Nashville, because after Nashville. I was having Grammy-winning engineers mix everything and Grammy-winning players play everything. I almost It was almost like too easy um, to, to have something great. Now, it, I, I couldn't say that about the quality of the artists every single time because they, they, they were what they were. Or the style was going to be or not be what somebody wanted. If they're somebody who wanted metal, I didn't do tons of that, even though I have a metal client right now, as a, as a matter of fact. But uh, Which kills. That stuff is awesome. If you like Christian metal, you will love this guy. But... Um, um, as it stands, uh, I would just put out the stuff and they would take it. And if they liked it, they would get back in touch with me and email me back and says, Hey, this stuff sounds awesome. Can you make me sound that awesome? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, kind of the earmark of, of me getting clients was that I could say, especially when I was in Nashville, you can come here and I will help you sound as great as they sound coming out of the top labels in this genre mm -hmm. and they and there was no there was there was there was nothing above that in other words i don't know if you can go anywhere it's kind of like whatever genre you're in there's probably a place that does it best but it, in nashville is going to be that for country or for uh for christian and that's because where that's where all the players are that's where all the engineers are that have been doing the top country albums the top gospel albums for 30 years and they're all they're doing that so there's not much like oh we're, we're gonna miss the mark you never miss the mark because we know the mark and uh sometimes the artists may miss the mark or um they wanted something a little different that they didn't communicate right but as far as getting clients it was to me it's as easy as showing them the quality of what they can have and then saying, yes, that's what I want. It's no different than going to a car dealership and test driving a car and going, oh yeah, 
this is what I want to be driving. And then you go into the process of how do I pay for that and, and make the payments. It's not much different with what I've been doing for people. It's the same thing. They would go to my site and they would either hear stuff they like or they would not. And, and I think people still do that with us. They do that with us now. It, now we, it's, it's sync licensing library heads that we're trying to get them to go to our site and listen and go, yes, I'll have more of that. I'll have some of that. Thank you. And uh, so it's not much different really. And, and, and corporate clients aren't much different, but as far as get and, and that's the same thing with corporate clients. Um, it's a little about going and finding a, a client and showing them a demo of what you've done for other people mm -hmm. or them hearing a commercial that you've done or hearing an album that you've done. And you've got a great story about that, that exact thing. You know, with Google. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's a matter of broadcasting yourself. It's kind of, you know, funny when you were saying like the, that you had like a booth set up at South by Southwest, for example, like, you know, that's like, you know, uh, a physical in, uh, interpretation of what we're, we're all doing now with, uh, you know, with YouTube and the internet, right? Um, yeah. we're, we're broadcasting ourselves and, and we're, we're putting our work out there for people to hear. Um, and you can go hard on that, you know. You can send out uh, demos to to publishers, to to supervisors, to music libraries. Um, I, I don't do enough of it, you know. Um, but the little that I have done has, as I've been able to reap a lot of rewards from it, from just putting myself out there just a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean that's what we have to do because, uh, as as a starting point, I think that's what's really important to understand is that you have to kind of broadcast yourself and put yourself out there. Um, once you do get that bit of, uh, you know, uh, work coming in, then it doesn't take a whole lot for the, the snowball effect, uh, you know, uh, yeah. for, for things to kind of start rolling and start kicking around, you know, cause you, you, you get one good client and they'll, they'll start, they'll refer you. If you do a really good job, they'll refer you to, um, their friends and, you know, all these, all these people, they have, uh, they have, uh, you know, other uh, friends that, that, that do the same kind of work and they'll say, Hey, this guy did a really good job. You should, you should maybe think about hiring him. Um, that's the, the same story for you. You know, it's like you, you probably had, uh, I mean, how much of your, the work that came in for you, uh, producing, um, artists was from referral. Do you figure? Dude, one time I did an album for this girl who, f who found me at a, at some kind of convention, um, gospel convention or something. And I did an album for her. And I um, went to her release concert in this little tiny town in the middle, in the armpit of America, Paris, <laughs> Illinois, which is this tiny little town that, you know, the, the, the mill shut down a long time ago there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's a tiny little uh, town in, in middle America. And I went there driving through literally snow and ice because I had to stop and pick up the CDs in Cincinnati on the way up there because for the thing. And I had to get there because I was the one with the CDs and the, sh you know, the show depended on me being there of her sales. So I got there. She did her concert. After the concert, I met a guy who said, hey, I really enjoyed that. And, um, and I, I've been thinking about doing some music. Well, that ended up being a guy named Tom Dolan, who I did at least four records with. And he was the very first guy that went with me to Nashville and tracked uh, with all the players and the engineers and stuff in the, in the, big, the big tracking. And, and when I went home and told my wife, we are moving to Nashville. 
uh, and is still a friend to this day. I still do work for him from time to time. Uh, and then another girl from that that was at that concert heard me, and she got in contact with me. We did an amazing record for her um, around that same time. And then another guy who saw me at that concert or saw that concert got in touch with me through email, and I did a bunch of work with him. There might have been somebody else from that town too. So, yeah, one concert that I was at that someone sang their songs that I produced for them because she was up there singing and dancing with tracks. Um, that led to a lot of stuff. And so in some ways you could say that, uh, yeah, some people might hear it at my site. Some people might have gotten a CD from some artist and said, oh, this sounds great. Who made this? And then they'll, they'll work their way back to me and, and find it. And that still happens actually. Yeah. yeah. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> and it really, uh, it, it really can snowball quickly. I think, you yep. know, especially if you do, you, 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 it, all it takes is one good client, um, and they, they'll spread the word and all of a sudden you'll be, you, you're going to, you're going to have the problem of having to turn things down. <laughs> I would say, and it goes in cycles. Like my first cycle was the Kentucky cycle where I made records with, I found an engineer in, in Kentucky around, uh, 97 or well, 97 when creative soul records started. And I started with that first album that I recorded for that couple. And it turned out really nicely. It wasn't anything close to the Nashville quality, but it, the songs were decent. The, the performances were, were pretty good and, and the arrangements were good. And that plus my own records that I was making plus records I was making for other people that came after that. Suddenly I had a portfolio that I could show people and say, this is my work. And uh, that just got better and better and better and better. And then when I got to Nashville, it took a huge leap uh, higher and and got bigger and better and better. And uh, once you have that, it, it's not hard to find work because people see the quality. And if you're really after it and you can show them high quality work, uh, you'll have business. And it's, this is no different than running a studio. This is no different than being a stock music producer or a sync licensing producer or um, any of the things we talk about. Anytime that you can get, as we know, to try to get into a, a motion array, you have to have five songs to show them of quality, mm -hmm. to get into uh, Artlist or to get into a BMG library or to get into a any kind of sync licensing library to get on a forward on taxi. You have to have quality work that, um, that people see. Cause I, I, I would also bet if you do get forwarded, a song gets forwarded at taxi and that library goes to your site to look at more of your stuff, they will need to see a, a, a if they want to sign you to multiple things to see a consistency of work. So it's no different really in any of the fields or things that we talk about on this channel. It's just, um, having that portfolio of good, high-end work, just like any photographer. Uh, my daughter is a wedding photographer, and she has a portfolio that continues to grow. Now she works for Disney. She's literally shooting Disney weddings now in the parks, and her portfolio just continues to grow. And as that grows, your resume just increases. And it's it's not magic. It's hard work that you spent doing. But uh, it and I will say this. It does take other people other than you. It takes, qual you know, to get um, <clears throat> artists, unless you're doing totally electronic type music, you can be a one-man producer for people, I think. But I think there is a, um, 
for most clients, they're going to need some kind of, of, of dimensionality to their music, especially if they're doing something that's not lo-fi. If they're doing, even if you're doing pop, you could probably do that. But if once you get into rock, once you get into um, to country and other <laughs> genres where it depends on players, real people players, mm-hmm. um, you can only program so much. And you're going to need to get some quality people on your side. And that's they, they love that. Clients love that dimensionality. They love coming to the studio and seeing it played. Man, I tell you what, I've gotten, talk about referrals. I've gotten, this isn't a referral necessarily, but I've had clients come in to track and I've seen other clients go into my tracking sessions and come out the other side and they weren't, maybe they weren't even tracking that day. They just came to watch because their friend was in the studio and they end up going and doing an album themselves. Because once you experience mm-hmm. that, especially in Nashville with these guys, once you experience that, it's like a no-brainer. You will definitely have what they're having. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, a, that's a big get right <laughs> like there. I'll, I'll take what she's having. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, uh, let, th- that's great, man. Let's talk about, um, just to, to, to kind of pivot over to commercial work, yeah. uh, which is a <clears throat> entirely different... Uh, vibe and and different and a different thing. Um, my my experience with uh, with commercial work is is interesting because I've had and like I, I also want to like inject some realism in here because um, you know we don't talk a lot about like our fails. You know, um, you you've had like you know amazing amounts of success with the with the artists that you work on and, and um, I've had a lot of success with the, some of the commercial stuff I've done, but. Uh, it can be, it, it can not work sometimes. And, some, and you're going to have moments where you totally, uh, you stumble and, and you just don't deliver what uh, the client is looking for. With, with commercial work, I think um, often de- dealing with them is is a, is a totally different vibe. I mean, when you're, when you're with an artist, especially, you know, in a, like in a studio kind of thing, I mean, it, it can be a disaster, but um, it's often, you know, I think it's, it, as long as you sort of have a good rapport with the artist, it could be a, it could be fairly easy to communicate. Um, but when you're dealing with commercial clients, um, they they have so much on their plate that they're dealing with that it's often uh, or, or sometimes you, you, there's a real lack of direction um, and vision from them. So you're kind of scrambling and shooting in the dark. And uh, if they don't like it, they're just going to say, "I don't, we don't like it. Try something else." And it and I've had some experiences working for commercial clients uh, where it was like it felt really demoralizing because I wasn't able to to, del- to deliver what they wanted, despite you know the the direction the little direction that they gave. Mm-hmm. Working uh, you know with a an an ad agency uh, here in Canada yeah. was one of my first. Um, it was one of my uh, I think it was like the second pr- professional gig that I got. I got kind of lucky. It was a referral gig. Um, and they uh, they reached out to me and asked me to write some like some some hip hop for like some uh, some some commercials that they were they were doing and that they were going to air and um, man it was so tough it was so tough like they just didn't like anything that I sent them and I was like you know I felt so demoralized and and, and for a long time I was like ah, maybe I'm not cut out for this kind of stuff you know like it really it really killed my confidence and. Um, I think for anyone listening that is interested in doing that, that this that kind of work, like you're gonna have, you're gonna have one of those experiences. It's gonna be really, really rough. You gotta push through and believe that you know you're only gonna get better 
um, and and that sometimes you just can't please the crowd. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Everyone has that uh, that moment where you just totally fail. I'm sure you've had those too. And um, I think w- yeah, working for commercial clients is just is just rough in that sense because there's it's kind of cold. I feel like they're a little bit cold. Uh, I mean, you know, working with the the, the Google um, folks was was really nice. They were really friendly, um, but they didn't like pull any. Uh, you know, they they were it, they were brutally honest about everything that I sent them. Um, there was no niceties. You know, mm-hmm. there was no like, yeah. oh, this is really great, but it, it was just like, no, this, 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 change, do this, do that. <laughs> it was very. They just didn't have time to be, uh, you know, polite or anything like that. <laughs> I guess maybe like the Canadian in me expects, you know, some some kind of like friendliness, uh, inherent friendliness with people. But it's not the case with commercial clients. They can be pretty uh, cut and dry. So I, I find it different and the same. In other words, I have worked with so many artists. And again, this isn't to brag, but dude, I mean, hundreds, literally hundreds of artists over the past 25 years. I mean, uh, maybe it's only one song. Or as, and a lot of the artists, some of them I've never met because they're in different countries or different states and they just never come to Nashville or never come to Orlando or wherever I am and I just work for them online. I have, I have seen clients like you're talking about in corporate on the artist side. So it's not like they don't exist. There are hard ass clients on the, cl- on the artist side too. Yes. They're like, they don't like anything and, and everything is, is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do know what you're talking about in the, the corporate side. And in the corporate side, you have the added bonus of them not being musicians at all. That is, that is very true. That is <laughs> These true. are, at least the artists you work with are usually musicians, musicians it's, it's of some It's not always kind. a bonus, though. It can be, uh, it can be a real problem. It uh, can be a real problem because they think they know what they're talking about and mm-hmm. they don't. And well, so they have a hard they time kn- communicating what they, they want right. musically. That's, that's the problem is that they don't know the musical lingo like, you yeah. know, it might be something as simple as tempo, but they don't really know how to express that yeah. properly. And so. artists have that too. Artists are, are can be like that as well. Yeah. And and corporate people can also be like artists. They can be like, oh, we used to play guitar in a band, man, so I know what this is like. And, and, that I, I really, and they know all the lingo. But for the most part, I think you're right. I think corporate clients, see, when I started, um, when I left corporate, uh, corporate work, uh, being a technical, like uh, I was a multimedia developer and and technical technical writer and all sorts of other things, but mostly centered around computers and video and stuff and multimedia. I stepped out of that job and directly into the studio full time, uh, working for another producer who had a lot of commercial clients, car dealerships, state of Kentucky. Uh, Ashland Oil, I mean, all these different kinds of companies that were in the central Kentucky area or wherever this guy had, um, had, had clients around the United States. And a lot of more car dealerships and a lot of them were um, different, all sorts of different companies. And we would do scores type of stuff for a company in Michigan. We would do all, all sorts of stuff. So uh, that was the very first two years of my work until 9-11 hit. My, I bought that company four days before 9-11 hit <laughs> and the corporate stuff just went <laughs> and but but the, the bonus was all the artist stuff went came rushing in at that time is mm. because like everybody's heart was so big to do something for god or whatever because of 9-11 you know it changed in this country 9-11 was like 
uh, was like December, was like um, Pearl Harbor Day. It right. changed the way everybody thought about everything. And one of those things that happened on that was it it killed business for a while. Not business itself, but advertising business really mm. kind of changed for a while because mm. nobody was doing happy jingles after 9-11 for a while. And so happy jingles went away, and that was a big part of our business. And then this other company we were working for, they changed their focus because of 9-11, and, and they went away. So I was working on a jingle the day of 9-11, and that was the last jingle I ever did. Because uh, so much work came in, and uh, I just started down the artist road. And but then through the years, I've done different um, videos for companies for uh, artists who had companies. I've worked for a lot of artists who have companies that need music done for their company. So the artists who work at another job will will contract us to do work for their company. That's not artist work, but it's commercial work. So yeah, I would agree with you that it's it's a different challenge because those clients are not unlike library owners or whatever that will just, sometimes they'll just reject things mm-hmm. and uh, you'll just get a rejection. And uh, sometimes you, you won't even get the gig if you if you, like do stuff for them. I've done stuff for radio shows and different stuff where I've sent a demo in and I've never heard back. Just like you don't hear back from a a, a, a you know, a library or whatever that you pitch to and you're that's like, right. or taxi or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why don't I hear back? Well, that's the reality of the, not the music business, but business as a music uh, contractor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I've, I've certainly um, had that happen. And uh, that's, that's just part of it. And um, while I don't work as much on corporate music anymore, um, mainly because now I'm, I, you know, we're into different things with licensing and things. Um, my remembrances of it were always a little different. But I, again, I've had artists that have been similar to corporate clients in the mm-hmm. fact that yeah. they don't like anything. <clears throat> it's a struggle. It's it's a fight. It's a total fight, especially non-American clients, uh, clients from other countries who don't know how to communicate uh, either in the language or in in a musical terms and or the 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 work that they've done in their country is different is done differently even yeah. with the top pros that I've had I've had a few clients that I was so happy when that project was over <laughs> because the communication was so hard and they made everything so hard on all of my contractors all of my players all of my engineers all of my graphics people all of my mastering engineers everything they made it tough on everybody to the point where I had to apologize to all my contractors and say, I'm sorry. So, um, and, and, and sometimes in corporate that you, you go through that, you go through that where you have to apologize to everybody. Sorry, everybody, this is a whole different deal. You know, we're not just making fun music here for an artist or this particular company wants it done this way. And, and, and now when you're in that work, jingle work, and you're, you're kind of singularly focused on that and artist is artist work is like a secondary thing. Well, Mm -hmm. then you get a different hat on. And you you go to work with your construction hat on, and yeah. you just do the work. Uh, yeah. I I don't prefer that to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I'm less of a. I think I, you you know the, what my takeaway from this chat is just that like you really you really gotta love people. I think if you're doing the artist work, um, you really gotta be amenable amenable to people's uh, um, personalities, um, and you really gotta be a people person. 
Um, I think I'm probably less of, of that than you are, you know? So I think I like kind of, in a sense, I, I, I think I prefer the commercial work. Um, to be honest, I don't know if I'm totally cut out uh, for doing, for producing artists. It's not really something that I feel called uh, or compelled um, to, to do any more of. I mean, well, I'm happy to me produce both. like, what's that? <laughs> you and me both. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, you've been I'm... doing it. You've been doing it for so long. So that that's a different, that's a different kind of thing that you're, you're struggling well, with. Well, and but... I do want to say one thing about this is that, um, yeah, I, I, I am, the difference in corporate corporate people and artists also is that corporate people all are coming in to get something done for their company. They have a kind of a singular vision. Everybody comes in. They might there'll be different personalities, but it's not like you don't have to stroke them like you do artists to get what you want. And the deal with artists is every single person, every single person is completely different than the other person. So it's like you're saying, do you want to be have to figure out per person how you have to treat them with kid gloves or or you know can you run them through the mill or are they which one who are you working with today and and how even with emails how do i phrase this email for her personality her light offendable personality or for her hard ass personality or for his like i don't care personality and and every single one of them, every single one of them is a, is a snowflake. They're different in some way. They come from a different background, different age, different whatever. So, and, and then the other thing I will say about producing is last thing, is that it can become a bit of a trap because especially if you are a composer or you are a, um, a, a producer of your own music and you love doing that and it feeds your soul, because producing can be so lucrative, it's almost like a trap of too, of too much success. You can be doing too much of that and not enough of your own thing. And that's one reason why I've slowed down over the past four or five years with my production is because my composition has taken a, more of a front seat in that as I uh, started focusing on writing for licensing and then started focusing on my composition uh, masters suddenly I re- I rekindled what started me down this road in the first place. What I got, I got derailed because people wanted what I was having. And now they may still come in and want that, but it's not as much as it was 10 or 15 years ago because 10 or 15 years ago, you could make a thousand CDs and sell them all and make all your money back. Mm-hmm. Now making your money back as an artist means you better be out doing gigs and or starting a YouTube channel that makes you a bunch of money. And both of those are hard. And so um, it can be a trap. It can be a trap as a as a creative to become a a worker bee for everybody in the world and and running a studio or whatever. And then you at at some point you realize, hey, I'm not creating for myself anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be that's something I see in you a little bit, where you are only so willing to work for other people at the sacrifice of your own music. And uh, smart because at your age, that's when I started to do that. And then it got to a point where I suddenly didn't know myself anymore. And I had written four songs in one year. Yeah. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is not who I am. Yeah. That would drive me crazy. I I think, yeah. You know, it's like, I think I, I, I I can't, yeah, there's always sort of a a line. I'm not sure it it, it moves, but 
there always has to be a certain amount of creative it's output a cautionary tale for you otherwise uh yeah like i'll, I'll go crazy <laughs> if i'm not writing uh anything you know if i don't yep. if i go a whole week without writing something sitting down and writing something i'll, I'll lose my mind <laughs> Yeah, I'll get I'll get pissy. I think and it's uh, there's only so much because people are just it, it paying is. you to do this work, you know. Yeah, and, and we all gotta, can we get make, weighed we down. We gotta pay the bills. You yeah, know? we gotta pay absolutely. the bills. So, um, <clears throat> I think you know it's like from being in a, a in a band and like and leading a band. I think there's the, just that in its in and of itself was such because uh, I have like a, a you know um, a six person seven person sometimes. Um, uh, band that I'm dealing with and they're all very strong personalities it's <laughs> tough know? and uh yeah and they're all like my you know my closest friends um but uh, man I'm telling you I mean like you know being on the road with these guys you know and going on tour and like being in difficult situations where like there's like lack of sleep and yeah and uh and there's creative differences and 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 whatnot uh dude I have like you know uh, a limited ability to 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 deal with human beings uh, in, yeah. in 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 a sense because because it's like I, I'm you know I, I'm a pretty friendly uh, a guy and I'm easy to get along with but um, I think I think I just have so much only so much patience for like uh, for you know babysitting or like you know working around people's uh, personalities in in terms of doing production, just because I know from experience that like working with a band could be extremely difficult. I mean, really, you know, really test your patience. Um, and, uh, you know, so for anybody watching this, if you, you're the only person who can tell if you are, cause it, when, when I started producing, I was like, dang, I'm getting paid to make music all day. That's the dream, right? You know? And I, and for 21 years, that's 22 years now. That's all I've done. There hasn't, I mean, I've, I've had some other side jobs during the time working for a church here, working for a church there, but, uh, or, or, or some other continuous gig that paid me regularly, maybe. But uh, my day job was producing a couple dozen people at a time, you know, and helping them with their, their brands. But the cautionary tale here is if you do not think you are a person who, can do what you're talking about and juggle personalities all day long because that's part of what being a busy producer is, whether corporate, but especially with artists. Then running a studio, building a production business may not be uh, for you, or you may only want to do it part time, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit while you concentrate on your music or a day gig that you work on and only work with some artists here and there and your music other times. And then there are people who don't look at composing as seriously as you and I do. And they're more engineer types and they're more willing to put up with personalities because they are just technical people. They're not creatives and, and being a creative knocking against other creatives, like you're talking about in your band can be difficult. And so if you're a creative and you're focused on creative and you're dealing with other creatives and that's multiple uh, of those, I think if you're a technical producer, if you're listening to this or watching this and you're a music, uh, technical mixer producer who is is not necessarily uh holding people's hands all day long then it might be different mm -hmm. you know but i think if you're a creative and you have a strong personality it you might find it difficult and or tiring so yeah yeah yeah, yeah you got to be zen i think uh, to do it properly you got to be like rick rubin you got to grow a long, uh, long or beard. yeah you either have to be a complete ass uh, and and not care what anybody thinks, 
which a lot of great producers are that. And the producer that I went to work for was very, very my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. You can walk anytime you want to every artist, you know? Now he was very nice to them, but he would always get, when it got, when push came to shove, he would say bye. And I am not that way. I am like, I will do anything the client needs and anything the artist needs to make uh, to make sure they feel good. And if they tell me they're unhappy, it makes me like, it makes me like, oh, I fa- I'm like not making them happy. And so I'll go the extra mile to make them happy. Uh, and that's almost a personality flaw sometimes when you are so, uh, uh, when it affects your, your day because a client's not happy that they didn't get the mix they wanted that day, you know, and it, and it really shouldn't. So, uh, yeah, the, you do have to, you do have to get, get, grow some thick skin around, yeah. uh, around that. Um, it, it, with, it's like I said, with the commercial stuff too, like when they get back to you with that cold email, that's just like, no, we don't like it. It's like, well, why, what, what was it about it? You I try like, to skip past what the, the personal, like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And just go look at the checklist of things they want and just go do the checklist. That's it. And I've, Sometimes I've learned just, to start yeah. just like not looking at that other stuff, you know? So. Yeah. 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 You know, it's sometimes you got to just start from scratch again. Yep. Um, and that's, uh, that's the name of the game. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good chat, man. There's a yeah, good stuff of work there. Out there for for producing people or for producing for uh, commercial clients. There's plenty of work out there, um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to these doing days. More of it this if week. I was looking for new clients, I would also look at composers like we talk to and like we are who are out there looking to create stock music, looking to create sync licensing music, and get into that world. And, and offer them low-cost services to help them uh, make uh, maybe master their mixes for them or mix right. for them. Because right. we have so many people we know, part of your academy, part of my channel, that mixing might be their, their not their cup of tea. And if there were uh, affordable people out there that would do good work for uh, composers like that, that's, an, that's something I didn't have 20 years ago when I got started. I only had you know, artists or corporate clients. And now there's this other bunch of people out there creating music for sync and creating music for stock and creating music for other things uh, where they might need a, a technical uh, help. And so there's, there's those clients out there now too. So. Totally. Yeah, totally. All right. Great. Well, this is a great talk about production and um, uh, I really enjoyed it. it I, of course, I've, I've given this talk about 1,000 times when I tell my story about producing, so it's really easy for me But because um, I've given it to every client uh, for 20 years. So, um, But, yeah, man, thanks so much uh, for for talking about this. And Yeah, good chat. Uh, again, good everybody chat. needs to look at the Production Music Academy if you're looking for stronger production skills and, um, and yeah, watch join the, the channel. Fun. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else? I guess we'll talk to everybody next week and uh, we'll have something new and fun to talk about and lots of new things that will have happened from now till then. So I'm sure of it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. And yep. uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder to check out makemusicincome.com 
and productionmusicacademy.com. And you can find us both on YouTube as well. We both post regular content there. You can find me at Stevie B Production Music Academy and Eric's channel is called Make Music Income. We'd love to see you there. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our content. Also, feel free to join us in the Make Music Income Discord server. Lots of great conversation going on in there and you can share your work and connect with other like-minded folks. It's a great community. So thanks again and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.